to another episode of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. Uh, on today's show, firstly, we're going to recap the Badgers' overtime loss to St. Mary's, uh, which was a tough game. We've, we'll give our thoughts on that, and then, of course, Matt and I will dive into the Iowa-Wisconsin game, a huge Big Ten matchup in the West Division this weekend. And then at the end, Dave Cray from Blackheart Gold Pants is going to join the show to give us his insider perspective on the Iowa Hawkeyes as we uh, get into uh, this full full Big Ten weekend and crucial games as we get into later November. So Matt, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing good. You know, uh, obviously, just a few minutes ago that game just ended, so it was kind of a heartbreaker to see the Badgers lose in that fashion, kind of with so many different opportunities to uh, end up winning that game, a game that they weren't picked to win. But uh, you know, it went the way it went. Uh, how are you doing, Tyler? Good, good. Yeah, it was a, it was a tough loss. I was uh, impressed with some things, but of course uh, there's some things that they're trying to clean up as uh, the season goes on. But you know, it's game one, and I, I think St. Mary's is a pretty tough team. Uh, I can't, I, I can't. It's late, so I can't even think of the guy's name for St. Mary's, but that guy was incredible. Jordan, Jordan Ford. Yeah, Jordan he's Ford. A- yeah, he was he was really impressive from what I thought tonight. A really underrated player, probably in the country. He gave the Badgers fits all night. Um, but a quick recap note before we dive fully into the basketball game. We, we are having one show this week with the, with the basketball game uh, being Tuesday night and uh, the Badgers football team being on a bye. There wasn't a lot to get to uh, for two shows, so we decided to condense down to one and make it easier on you guys to uh, have all your content in one episode and uh, make it easier on us that way uh, than not having to try and divide up and schedule two. Uh, so we'll be back to regular scheduled programming next week, obviously with the football team being back in rhythm, and then, of course, the basketball team uh, getting underway. We'll have a plenty of stuff uh, to get to. And then next week is actually our 100th episode, so we've got some special stuff planned uh, for that. Uh, so make sure you guys stay tuned and subscribe to that. But, Matt, getting into the basketball game, obviously, like we talked about, it was, it was a disappointing ending, but overall I think uh, the, the team was somewhat impressive in spurts. There's some things to clean up, but what were your initial takes on uh, the Badgers opening night? You know, I, I kind of assumed that the game would be a little sloppier. After watching a bit of that uh, Kansas game earlier in the, earlier in the day, uh, you know, I kind of knew that the Badgers would probably also have some similar struggles. Uh, just because it's the first game, you're in a neutral area, you're not used to your surroundings. So, um, And that kind of played out early on. You know, the Badgers had 14 turnovers. St. Mary's kind of was right there with them with 15. But then, you know, the Badgers didn't shoot overly well, albeit St. Mary's didn't either. But, you know, the Badgers kind of only shot 26% from three-point arc. And uh, that that's just uh, not going to be good enough. I know the the, the rainbow of different three-point lines that they had on that court were, were uh, kind of an eyesore. But, uh, you know, that was an area that it really jumped out as well as rebounds. I thought the Badgers struggled in those two areas, and that kind of came back and bit them um, against a team that is supposed to be really good and is probably going to be a tournament team and, you know, a team that could make some noise in the NCAA tournament and in their conference. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think overall, you know, the offense that you, the, they don't have the ability to go through Ethan Happ anymore. So I think you're going to see need to see them shoot uh, better from the on the arc. And uh, like you said, <laughs> that floor was confusing. As soon as that game popped on, I was like, oh my god, what is this floor? <laughs> what is this camera angle? I did not sign up for this. I got a headache from it out of the beginning. But uh, apparently, the Pentagon is some stellar basketball facility. I didn't see it from, from my perspective, but sure, if, <laughs> that's what people were telling me anyway. Um, but yeah, I think I think offensively they certainly have to shoot the ball better, you know, given that you know, we, we were expecting a more dynamic offense, and I think we saw that in spurts, and I think you, down the road you'll see that, uh, hopefully, you know, them knocking down more shots to be a more diverse offensive team. Um, so and hopefully get you get you some ability to to make more shots and and convert that thing. But like you said, in in these opening games, especially on neutral floors, it's hard to shoot uh, simply because it's just an environment you're not used to, and you're already you know getting your legs onto you for the season. So it'll be interesting to see if that changes uh, as the season goes on. 
Defensively, I thought the team played pretty well. What were your thoughts on the, the defensive aspect uh, for the Badgers? Yeah, I thought I thought they did fairly well. You know, holding St. Mary's, they usually average 70-plus points a game. They only gave up 65. Pretty solid. You know, obviously held them to fairly low shooting. Um, you know, this, the second-chance opportunities that St. Mary's had led to a, a few baskets that otherwise wouldn't have been there. Um, and, you know, Jordan Ford is the real deal. He's, a, he's one of the best players in the conference, if not the best player in their conference this year. So it should, it sh- he's a guy that the Badgers knew about, and I think they actually made some nice adjustments for the second half. And over time, you know, considering he had 15 at half and he only ended up going with 26 on under 50% shooting, that's, that's not terrible. Uh, the Badgers just kind of weren't able to uh, put the biscuit in the basket, so to speak, uh, enough offensively. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think I think they did make some good adjustments on him because he really was was scoring at will in that first half. And in the second half, uh, they seemed to you know have some have some ability that they either switch on him uh, or keep a defender you know shaded towards him so they wouldn't have to worry about him you know having open looks and making sure at least if he was getting shots it was contested. Um, but yeah, he was he was a really impressive player. I think he'd be. He'd be a fun one to watch in that conference because it, obviously the, the conference that they're in doesn't get a lot of attention, but uh, he's he's a pretty pretty talented basketball player from what we saw in Game One in Jordan Ford. Um, obviously, the big storyline for the Badgers and I mean, the top player on the court tonight was Nate Reavers. He he had a huge jump um, from what we saw in his first few seasons with Wisconsin, and I think a lot of us expected it. Um, given given the development of Wisconsin w- with the bigs in in their system, but what were your impressions of Nate Reavers? Uh, I think it was he ended up getting his uh, career high in points, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, I think he either tied his career high or just barely got it with the uh, 22 points. Um, so he, yeah, I thought he looked great. Um, you know, he did a decent job on the boards um, and was able to kind of play inside and out. You know, uh, he kind of looks like a gazelle on that one play where he tr- where he was he got the hoop and the harm taking the ball off the dribble. It wasn't pretty, but at the same time, he got the job done. So it was it was good to see what he brought uh, to the game, and you know, he did good against. Uh, lacrosse in the exhibition last week as well so I think he's primed for a for a big year I know a lot of people were talking about Aleem Ford and Kobe King but I think Reavers is probably the guy um, with added minutes and you know just having more on his shoulders to really look out for um, especially given his talent and the guys around him being the only major big guy especially until Micah Potter gets around yeah, I would agree. I think Reavers or Reavers was uh, you know, really special. I think his ability to to shoot the ball. You know, Wisconsin always has big guys that can shoot, uh, but his ability to shoot and pull defenders out from the three point line, and then you know, can also go on the dribble. We saw him do that, and you know, convert an and one or two uh, in this game. And I think, like you said, I think he's going to be the top scoring option for this team as they try and uh, you know rebound and, and get used to the system without having a guy like Ethan Happ on the floor. Uh, you mentioned Micah Potter. I think he would have been a, <laughs> I think he would have been a huge help in, in a game like that, given just how athletic St. Mary's was and, and how they were going to be a team that was tough to battle. So uh, it certainly hurts him, but you can't uh, you can't really do anything about it at this point in the season. But uh, what did you make of the Badgers' last uh, possession before overtime? Were you? I'm guessing you were very underwhelmed in the same way most of Wisconsin Twitter was with that last shot uh, with the opportunity to win. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the play design wasn't terrible. I understand the trying to get a pick and pop between Reavers and Trice, you know, two guys that you you trust with the ball in their hands. Um, I just think that they waited a while to kind of let that develop. I think they should have gotten into it right away, uh, try to try to see if they can put put the ball in the hoop right away. If not, you know, then you can have extra time to get to a secondary scoring option. And in that case, they didn't have enough time. And the Ford had to just kind of heave that one up, which was, uh, you know, he, he ended up having to do the exact same thing at the end of uh, overtime as well. So um, where it was just kind of like a last second, just quick flip it up and see what you can get. So I, I thought the overall the play wasn't terrible. I just think, um, you know, I don't know if even Trice was the guy I want having the ball in my hand and his hands there. I actually like Davison better to be able to actually get all the way to the hoop, um, whereas Trice I know is kind of it's either a three pointer or a pull up jumper. So 
I, th- I think next time maybe in my eyes it would have been Davison or a guy like Kobe King who can still hit the hit this shot off the dribble, um, but also be able to take the ball to the rack if need be um, against a smaller defender because Jordan Ford is not very big. Right. Yeah, I would agree with with that assessment. I just think more so, like, like you said, I think you got to try and get something at least going towards the rim. Um, settling for a, you know un- or a contested three pointer is is never going to be you know obviously your top play that you want to go to and I'm sure that wasn't by design by any means from what the coaches have for the players but sometimes you settle for those shots and it can come back to bite you and it, it sort of did tonight I would have I would have liked to see you know Brad Davidson or Kobe King attack the basket and at least get a shot or maybe you get a putback or or maybe you draw a foul. You know, with the with the way and you know, the the game is called, you can you can usually draw a foul from from just a misplaced hand on a defender can can get you to the free throw line. So, uh, but again, this is it's November. It's the first week in November. College basketball is just tipping off tonight, so it's a good learning thing. You know, it's not like college football where you have to win every game. Obviously, that would have been a nice resume builder, but they've still got a ton of opportunities in front of them to do that. So, how much do you really take away from this game? Were you left obviously more impressed with the team? And you were coming in, or were you, or you were you somewhat disappointed given the results? I'm pretty neutral. I, th- I think I expected this game to be really close. I saw it kind of going either way. Um, as I as I kind of talked with friends, just kind of previewing that, hey, I think it's going to kind of go either way. That, um, and that's kind of how it unfolded. You know, the Badgers had their chances. So did St. Mary's. In the end, St. Mary's got a couple offensive rebounds, and Wisconsin wasn't able to capitalize on their opportunities in overtime, uh, and it ended up you know the Badgers covered against the team that's going to be a tournament team and it kind of is a good barometer for the Badgers to kind of understand kind of what they where they're at but also the type of talent that they're going to be seeing uh, even though it's a team from the West Coast Conference that's uh, you know they're a team that's going to have a chance to take on Gonzaga in that conference to to win it I know they won the tournament last year so they get they're they're talented. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think I think this team's going to really hang tough with with a lot of teams, and as they develop into themselves, um, it, it's certainly going to be a fun team to watch. I think they can knock off uh, some bigger players in the Big Ten. It's just a matter of getting their feet under them, and obviously the next two games, uh, I don't know who they are. I think McNeese State and somebody else uh, on uh, later this week where, where they'll be able to get their feet under them before the, of course, crucial non-conference game against Marquette. So you've got opportunities to, to get things right, and, and then you get, of course, your your one of your big rivals in your home court uh, later in the season. So they've got all the opportunity in the world before getting into a couple uh, other big non-conference games with that uh, tournament out in New York against Richmond and then maybe a possible meeting uh, with Auburn. So it'll be exciting to see how this team plays out and pans out. But that's all we've really got for the college basketball Badger season opener. Of course, like we said earlier, an overtime loss to St. Mary's, who, like we said, expect to be a uh, tournament team. So right now we're going to go ahead and kick it to a quick ad, and then Matt and I will dive into the Iowa and Wisconsin preview. And again, after that, we'll have Dave Cray of Black Hearts Gold Pants to give our insider perspective on the Iowa Hawkeyes. All right, it's time to talk the huge Big Ten West matchup between the Wisconsin Badgers and the Iowa Hawkeyes. Of course, huge implications for this one, huge implications for the Big Ten West this weekend with Minnesota getting their first real test in the Penn State Nittany Lions as well. So obviously a huge uh, game when you're looking at this Big Ten West title. So getting right into the football game aspect of it, how good is it going to feel, Matt, to have football back in Camp Randall for the first time it feels like in forever? Yeah, it'll be exciting. You know, it's it's been a while. I, after two two weeks on the road, as well as compounding the bye week, it's been it's been since mid October since uh, being at Camp Randall, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I'm excited. I I can't. It does kind of suck that it's in the same time as the LSU Alabama game, but I'm I'm really excited to just be back in Camp Randall and and watching football. I have to say this. This weird schedule the Badgers have with the five straight home games and then the three straight, it's just kind of been a weird season for me, and I haven't really been a, been a huge fan of it. I'd, I'd like them a little bit more spread out. Overall, I'm, I'm really excited to uh, have this game. It's always a good game, and it's, it's always fun when it's in Camp Randall. Um, I've never been to Kinnick Stadium. I'm going to try and go to that one next year uh, when they go down there, but uh, it, you can't get much better than these it's two off, games. It's awesome. Is it? Kinnick, Kinnick, yeah, so 
I obviously have a special spot in my heart for Camp Randall, but Kinnick been there a couple times with my brothers, and it's it's very cool. We had a blast uh, every time we've been there. So that is one uh, road venue that I highly recommend because it is a blast around there. Uh, it's kind of similar to Madison in terms of the uh, atmosphere before and after games and uh, the liveliness inside, and, like, the fans are right on the sidelines there you're you can I mean if you reached out you can grab hands with a player you know because they're right in front of you and they can hear you yeah it looks like an awesome place and I I mean I live in Dubuque Iowa and I I work in Iowa and I'm in Iowa City all the time and I've never been to a game uh so that's one that I got to get crossed off the only game I've been to is uh Ann Arbor I've been to the big house and then um if if the Badgers in Minnesota uh, are tied for the Big Ten West title. I'm, I think I've decided that I'm going to be going up and visiting that game, although it would be brutally cold, I would guess, <laughs> up there uh, in that game. But uh, let's dive into the, the Iowa game here. I mean, we, we've talked about Minnesota, and, of course, we're, you know, both, these, you know, both Wisconsin and Iowa enter, the season, or enter this game, I should say, at 3-2 and two in the conference, Minnesota 5-0. and oh. So two games behind. Essentially, this is kind of elimination game in your eyes for the West Division, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would think you have to. I mean, obviously, Iowa still has Wisconsin and Minnesota to play. Wisconsin has Minnesota and Iowa to play. Minnesota obviously has Wisconsin and Iowa. So it's kind of like they're all just going to be clobbering each other these last four weeks. And Wisconsin, you know, outside of Iowa and Minnesota, they have Nebraska and Purdue, two teams that are kind of struggling. Purdue obviously now on to their third-string quarterback. Uh, Nebraska, which has just been, been kind of topsy-turvy all year. So I think all all three teams are kind of in a must-win here. You know, obviously Minnesota taking on Penn State, I wouldn't say is a must-win for them, but then they have the other two matchups if they're trying to end up winning the Big Ten. But, you know, as a Wisconsin, uh, you know, fan, it's got to be a win this weekend to kind of keep your hopes alive. Yeah, yeah, you can't drop this one in any in any way, shape, or form, especially if – if Minnesota were to pull off that upset, it hurts even more if you lose. So you've really got to take advantage of these games. We're getting down to with only four left. You're getting down to the, the nitty-gritty of the schedule, and, and that's what makes it fun, obviously. But when you're in the in the, you know, in the back seat, it's it's a lot harder to get there. Obviously, there's a path to get there, and I think it's I, I don't think it's out well outside of the realm of possibility to, to have that path and get to Indianapolis. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if either. Iowa or Wisconsin make it, given uh, you know what was Minnesota's been this year, but uh, it's definitely an elimination game, kind of you know for for both teams to that you have to win, and you've really got to win the rest of them if you want to you know go to big go to the Big Ten championship and of course square off with an Ohio State or or a Penn State that way. Coming off the bye week, Matt, I mean it's 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 been a long time. This bye week's felt kind of even longer given obviously the two losses in those two away games. It, it makes it feel like we haven't had Badger football uh that we've enjoyed in, in quite some time. So, what do you think was was kind of the main focus uh for the team through this bye week? I think offensively it's got it's it's got to be just completing drives and getting the running game back into where it's supposed to be. You know, the Badgers really struggled uh, to run the ball in their last three matchups against Michigan State, Illinois, and Ohio State. And, you know, flashback to all the way to Northwestern at the end of September, and they struggled as well. So I think getting the running game back to how it had looked so well early in the season is going to be important. Uh, if you look kind of at their statistics, they've fallen off in rushing. They were in the top five in rushing for most of the year. Now they're down to 25th, which is good for second in the Big Ten. But when your offense is predicated so heavily on the run, that's that's really a big damper on the offense. Uh, passing game has also got to kind of get back into rhythm. Haven't seen as many big plays down the field uh, when you, with guys like Quintez Cephas getting open. Um, so I think the offense is really where uh, the uh, team needed to really jump back into, in my eyes. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you mentioned that the, the rushing rankings being 25th. I, I look at that every week when I – when I do my keys to victory post, and I was amazed that they were that low. And then I thought about the last three games, and I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because usually Wisconsin is I'm, – I'm surprised to ever see Wisconsin outside of the top ten in that category because they run the football so heavily and usually so well. Um, so that will be definitely something I think that they had to focus on. I think schematically it sounded like Paul Chris from his presser on Monday, which I was watching – 
uh, yesterday. It sounded like he he was pretty focused on getting back to not necessarily the basics, but getting back to the things that they feel like they did they did well in the early part of the season. Um, and you know, trying to figure out whether they were doing too much or doing too little, and getting back to the thing that, of course, has given them some success in this season. But I would agree. I, I think the main focus has to be has to be the offense, and probably the most specifically on the offensive line, given the struggles that they've had the last three games. And then, of course, I think I think just I think the bye week really came at a perfect time because they can just put those two losses behind them. And obviously they, they, they suck and it hurt uh, to, to lose those two games, but at the same time you've still got your goals in front of you. So you get that bye week to kind of refocus, get healthy, not that there was a ton of injuries uh, this week, but overall you know, just getting things back to basics and getting it back on track as you come into, obviously, you know, trophy season like they've been calling it with, with the Heartland Trophy in Iowa and then, of course, you have some other big games down the stretch. And I, I was really going through last year's game and trying to figure out what what the Badgers were going to do because this Iowa team is, is a lot different than what they were last year. So how do you feel that the Badgers are, are going to attack this Iowa front seven in defense that has been you know, pretty stout statistically-wise in the top ten in pretty much every category, kind of like the Ohio State? But they've done it a different way where they haven't relied on you know one guy like Chase Young. So how do you feel that you're going to attack you know, a group that is you know, collectively sound in, in the Iowa Hawkeyes defense? I think at first it just starts at um, stopping their outside rushers. They've got Chauncey Golston and uh, H.A. Epinesa, both players super, super good. Both are going to be future pros. A.J. Epinesa could be a first-rounder potentially uh, if he leaves early. You know, the two of them have only combined for, I think it was like five and a half, six sacks. But at the same time, they're in the backfield a lot, and they can cause havoc. And after watching Wisconsin struggle so mightily against Chase Young, it's one of those things where those are still two of the better defensive ends in uh, college football, and you've got to kind of limit uh, what they can do. Um, and then on, and then beyond that, I think getting the ball into your playmaker's hands, I, I feel as though too many times uh, Wisconsin hasn't given some guys like Quintez Cephas, Kendrick Pryor, A.J. Taylor the chance to shine. And I think, you know, with uh, – Iowa's ability to stop the run so well, you got to get it out to some of those playmakers and take on uh, a young secondary that Iowa has. I know they're replacing both their safeties for one. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I totally agree with you on that, with the with the getting the ball to some other playmakers. I know Jonathan Taylor is awesome, and we all love him, and we, we love being able to give him the ball 25, 30 times a game, but eventually you've got to open it up and get some of these other guys the ball because – you know, re- realistically, you know, you're in game eight and this super deep receiving core that we were all excited about coming into the season, we haven't really seen a lot from them. So I would totally agree in that aspect of getting those guys the ball and, and allowing them to make the plays because when you look at this game from last year, obviously, like you mentioned, Iowa, you know, lost uh, the, a couple of their safeties. I can't think of – what was the one safety's name? He dominated the Badgers last year, remember? Hook, Hooker. I think it was yeah, Imani Hooker. Hooker. Imani Hooker, yep. He, I think he led Iowa in tackles uh, in that game last year, and he really dominated. But when you look at the team overall, they they really had to throw the ball last year. I was watching some highlights and some game tape from that game last year, and they really had to throw the ball to score points. Do you expect them to kind of do uh, the same thing, given that you know this Iowa defense, while it has some different faces, kind of always has the same scheme? Yeah, I would I would assume that that's what Iowa's going to try to do is pack the box, make the Badgers throw. Uh, their their middle linebacker Christian Welch, who's one of the better linebackers in the Big Ten, is probably not going to play in this game. It sounds like due to injury, so I think that helps the Badgers a little bit, be able to potentially run the ball. But I I do think the Badgers are going to try to be a little bit more balanced, and they might even have to lean a little heavier on throwing the ball if the run game isn't working to what uh, it normally does. I think. I think the Badgers might uh, bring up the hippo a little bit more. Hopefully now with Jason Erdman healthy, uh, they, they might be able to employ that a bit more than normal. Um, but I, I really do think that the Badgers are just going to have to be more creative because Iowa is going to try to throw everybody in the box and make the Badgers uh, beat them with Jack Cohn. Yeah, and I think you really have to, given – I mean, Kirk Ferentz and Paul Christ have, know each other. They know each other. They know what – you know, each team's going to bring to the table. So given that, you know, they had these bye weeks both to come up with some different stuff, you you get where you're, you're going to have to get some new wrinkles in there uh, to be, you know, to be successful because 
you're so familiar with these teams. Obviously, Iowa is one of your biggest rivals. So really, realistically, if you don't come up with some new um, you know, play designs and, and get get the ball and do something different, you're going to, of course, struggle. And I think for the Badgers, I think, like you said, it starts with getting getting the ball into some other guys' hands. And uh, I, I really do think they're going to have to throw the ball because Kirk Ferentz, like I said, knows the Badgers, and he's not going to let Jonathan Taylor uh, beat them. He, he's, I mean, Taylor had 100 yards last year but didn't, didn't have any touchdowns. A lot of the touchdowns came from, from Hornibook throwing the ball. Obviously, of course, that late comeback with him, I think probably – I would say when I'm thinking about it, that Horn, like his game last year, that was probably one of Hornibrook's best games of his career, wouldn't you say? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that one rope he threw to A.J. Taylor to, to win it was a thing of beauty. So yeah. I, would, I would say that might have been actually his best throw of his career. So I, I thought that he had a good game, especially towards the end when he, when he had to. But um, did you see how many times he was sacked, sacked against Florida State this past weekend? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> against Miami. Yeah, I was, I was not surprised. I, I was trying to find some Florida State Twitters to see what they thought of Hornybrook. And from what I saw, they were – they were not impressed, but obviously Florida State's offensive line has been brutally bad for years. But man, <laughs> poor Hornybrook just just standing in there like a statue and just getting taken out left and right. That happens. I mean, yeah. I wish no you know no ill will towards Alex, but uh, I, I'm certainly glad I'm not dealing with that on on this Wisconsin team this year. Um, but but going off of obviously last year, um, you know we talked a little bit about the offense and what they're going to have to do, probably throw the football, uh, but at the same time. Defensively, I, I was when I was watching back that tape. I, I noticed really one thing that, that really hurt the Badgers was, of course, T.J. Hawkinson and Noah Fant, and then you know, obviously Nate Stanley getting them the ball. Uh, do you think, you know, from a perspective without having Hawkinson and Fant, do you think Stanley is is the main source of offense and and the Badgers' biggest concern coming into this game? I mean, he primarily has been this year. He's thrown for. Uh career highs with like 240-some yards. Um, he's way down in terms of passing touchdowns. Last year he ended up with like 26. This year he's only got 10. Um, and he's already thrown five interceptions. So he hasn't. he's kind of been kind of all over the place in terms of his game. Um, but at the same time, they haven't been able to do much on the ground, So, which is probably a great thing for Wisconsin to see given uh, the struggles they had against Reggie Corbin uh, and obviously uh, J.K. Dobbins. So Wisconsin is going to have to – try to take away that run and make Stanley throw, I think that would actually be in their best interest because Stanley, we saw what he did two years ago when it was just, uh, I mean, that was a just horrific game. Uh, If you were an Iowa fan, the only time they scored was on those two pick sixes um, that he's, he's he's a guy that can sometimes play really well and the other games, you know, he looks just completely like garbage. So I just don't, you never know what you're going to get with him. He's obviously very talented and he's got a big arm, but Wisconsin on defense, if they're able to get to him, kind of knock him out of his place because he is a rhythm thrower. He doesn't have the weapons he did last year, especially because it sounds like Brandon Smith, one of their top wide receivers, isn't going to play. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree with, with your assessment on, on Nate Stanley. He was, um, he's he's got flashes of really good and he's had flashes of really bad and we've seen that both uh, in really the last two matchups with them that 2017 game where the Badgers routed routed Iowa I think it was what 38-14 or, or something like that um, where they just dominated but but usually I mean last year he he really was their only offense and he's really been their only offense this year just because of their running game struggles I mean. Last year, I remember, I remember the play action really killed the Badgers, where where the guys, those tight ends, were just running wide open, and I think part of that's probably, I mean, when I'm thinking about it, that was early last year, like the fourth game. That was right after the BYU game, right? Yeah, it was early. That was their bounce yeah. back game. Yeah, yeah, because because I remember the secondary was was still fairly young and inexperienced, so you're going to have obviously a a secondary that's a little bit more experienced and collective, and obviously the Badgers' defense as a whole is a lot better than where they were last year at that time. But uh, certainly be interesting to see how Nate Stanley, you know, comes out knowing that he's their main source of offense, and, and it'll be interesting to see if he's able to replicate his game from last year uh, without his weapons or if he's going to you know, revert back to 2017 when he when he really struggled in that game. One thing that's interesting is they have a lot more guys that they've been targeting. They've kind of spread out the wealth a little bit more this year than last year. Last year they had those two impeccable tight ends that they kind of leaned on. This year their tight ends position hasn't really done much. They've been dealing with some injuries. I know their top tight end, 
Nate Weeding is probably not even going to play. They've got a young guy, though, Sam Laporta, who's supposed to be pretty good, that they've really um, been excited about. But then they have Smith Marset, who seems like he's been there forever. And then uh, freshman Tyrone Tracy has been pretty solid for them as well this year. Yeah, I just I was just looking at uh, Twitter earlier, and I think I think uh, Weeding he does. I don't think he was able to play. I thought because before I saw a, a Hawkeye reporter tweeting that or something like that, and I think Brandon Smith is for sure out as well. So he's going to be without, obviously, like you, you mentioned, a couple of his of his big weapons that he's been trying to get the ball to. And of course, that benefits Wisconsin when you don't have to worry about really you know two of the biggest threats uh, in, in that game and in that passing game. And if you don't have to worry about a running game. That, at least from what we've seen so far, that that certainly benefits the Badgers if, if they're without those guys, and it'll be interesting to see how the how the defense responds from that. One thing I remember from last year was the turnovers. If you look back at that game, uh, Iowa had, of course, the interception by Nate Stanley, and then they had those two special team turnovers that really gave the Badgers some favorable, favorable field position. How crucial will, will be just absolutely time of possession and taking care of the football be in this game versus versus any other game? I think it's huge. You know, this is probably the first game that the Badgers go into with two teams that kind of play very similar styles and, and both want to hold on to the football. Both teams are in the top, top ten in time of possession. I think Wisconsin's either one or two, and then Iowa's, I think, like seven maybe. So those yeah, two teams right. both want to do the exact same thing in terms of, you know, chunk the ball down the field uh, nice and slowly and kind of just keep their defense off the field as much as possible. So it'll be interesting to see which offense can actually sustain drives and keep that going, keep that possession going. And, I mean, I think this is going to be a, a lower-scoring game than than what uh, Vegas is even putting it out putting out there, given Iowa's struggles against when they've gone against good defenses. I think they've only scored, like, what, 10 points between Michigan and Penn State, and Wisconsin has struggled when they're get against uh, top defenses as well to, to score um, at times. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, like you said, it's going to be really important just from the style standpoint. These two teams play the same style of football, and they want to do essentially the same thing. Um, so when you have teams like we saw last year when, you, when they had these long drives, that really takes a lot of time off the clock, and you can't, you can't afford to give teams extra possessions uh, given, given that these two teams don't like to play fast. They like to play slow. Both teams are going to want to win that time of possession battle. Uh, so, so it's an interesting aspect, and I think that's one of the things that makes this game really interesting, being Wisconsin and Iowa, just simply because you don't see a lot of this style of football uh, going head-to-head. You'll, you'll see it, um, you know, maybe some SEC games like Alabama and LSU used to be, but then they're not really anymore. They're both averaging almost 50 points a game now. So you don't see a ton of the smash-mouth type football in any conference other than uh, the Big Ten. And, of course, Iowa, Wisconsin do it, you know, pretty much better than better than anybody else in most seasons and most consistently. So, I would totally agree that it's going to be it's going to be an important factor uh, of course in a in a game that like you said low scoring. I think the total last I looked at was 38. So you're thinking less than 38? Uh, I, I I it'll be right around there. I think it'll yeah. be really close. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough to uh, to for me to write my betting preview on that, 38 is one of the lowest totals I've I've seen this season. I think there's 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 not many lower than that. Since we're since we're at that point, and that's that's really all we have for our Iowa preview. And of course, Dave Craig of Blackheart Gold Pants coming up here next will give us some more insider stuff on Iowa. But Matt, what are we thinking for a score prediction uh, for this game? And obviously, a huge Big Ten West matchup. I think just the way that both defenses. Uh, are so strong. I think this is going to be a little lower. You know, I, I think it's not – that 38 is very low. I think it will be close to that, but just a little under. So I'll say something like uh, 20 to 10, for example. I think that's about right. Um, I hope I hope to see the Badgers be able to put um, 30 up because I think whichever team gets a 30, it's game over. I don't see either time team getting beyond that. Um, but I think 2010 is probably a good uh, good number with the Wisconsin victory. Yeah, I, I'm in a similar ballpark. I've got the Badgers 24, uh, Iowa 17, and I think that's I, I think that's probably being generous for both teams. Uh, I, I don't expect Iowa to you know come out guns a blazing, but I do give them the credit that they've had that extra time to to prepare some stuff. But and so has Wisconsin, so I think the offenses will maybe click a little bit more. 
Um, but I've got 24-17 down for my prediction. Um, so that would mean you, you think the Badgers are going to cover, and I do not have them. If you got 20-10, then they would cover by just that little half point. So yeah, the just a smidge. Was nine and a half. <laughs> yep. But uh, that's good to know. So um, that's all we've got for our uh, predictions and uh, analysis for this. Of course, like I mentioned in the intro, we're going to have Dave Craig on now to give us an insider perspective on uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes season so far. So we'll go ahead and kick it to a quick ad read, and then we'll get into our interview with Dave. All right, we are now joined by Dave Craig of Black Heart Gold Pants, which is Iowa's SB Nation site. Uh, so make sure to guys go over and check them out. Obviously, they've got a good perspective on Iowa. They're one of my favorite sites to follow in the SB Nation network. Uh, so make sure to give those guys a look if you're looking for an insider perspective on uh, not just if you're, not just this game, but, of course, Iowa football uh, any week. Dave, how are you doing? Thanks for joining the show. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Uh, excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. It is, it's good to be back, you know, getting into Big Ten football. Obviously, this game is always huge for both teams, or a rivalry game, but uh, – Overall, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I'm, I'm, I, I think uh, the last time we played in Camp Randall, it kind of got out of hand. But uh, last last year, you know, in Kinnick, it was it was quite a great game. And these two teams, uh, for the most part, always play close, tight games. So I, I'm excited to uh, get to watching it that way. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's one of the games that I always circle on the calendar. So yeah, I'm oh, excited yeah. to uh, to get it to to have it come this weekend. Absolutely. Um, so my first question is is not necessarily about uh, any specific things on the Iowa football team, but it seems like this year, obviously, the big attention right now is on Minnesota, given their record and where they're at. And preseason, it was you know on Nebraska. Obviously, they got all the hype, that big hype train that, that the Huskers always seem to get. Uh, and then midseason, it was maybe a little bit on Wisconsin. But overall, I just I just feel like Iowa hasn't got as much of attention as they normally do, but they're still a really quality team in the Big Ten. So what's morale like uh, for Iowa fans uh, coming into this week and, and over the course of the season? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think going into the season, that that kind of feeling was, was ringing true across the fan base. It was kind of felt like Nebraska was getting all the hype. Even Minnesota had a little bit of love. We all we all thought, like my co-host and I on Spoko Radio, all thought, you know, hey, like Wisconsin, quite frankly, should get the most respect in the division going into the season, um, even though you know coming off of a down year and whatnot. But we kind of felt like Iowa was certainly under the radar a little bit, and quite frankly, that's the way Kirk Ferentz and, and company like it. And I think a lot of, a lot of the fans feel the same way. And then the season kind of got rolling, and the offense really took off uh, out of the gate. So it got a lot of fans, I think, really, really confident. And then the two losses back-to-back to uh, Michigan and Penn State happened, and the offense kind of free fell. And a lot of fans, I think, are, are, are angry. I think the fan base overall is kind of fractured in terms of what morale's like. You have kind of a part that's convinced that no matter what, Iowa's never going to compete with the big dogs in the Big Ten. you got other ones who are, you know, hopelessly optimistic that, that offense is going to figure it out, and that contention kind of in the Big Ten and the Big Ten West is obviously still there. And then you got, you know, the people who are kind of in the middle, and I kind of fall in the, in in, the, in that group right there personally. Sure, sure, yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, I think you know, flying under the radar is, is kind of something that Wisconsin kind of kind of does in the national landscape, and I think Iowa's kind of in the same boat. I mean, when you look at Paul, Paul Chris and Kirk Parents, uh, personality-wise, are probably similar, so they're probably both okay with that. Um, but going off, you know, going into obviously the the X's and O's of this game, the, the big name is is Nate Stanley, and obviously Wisconsin fans are familiar with him uh, since he he grew up here, but of course went uh, across the border uh, in Iowa that way. How has Nate Stanley sort of improved? I mean, we we've, seems like he's been in the Big Ten now forever, you know, given that these two teams always square off. But how do you feel that he's kind of improved over the course of his career? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard to put a number on it because, quite frankly, statistically, he's pretty similar. His especially like last year or this year so far, he's very very similar in terms of the output. But I think you see, especially this year, he's got more command of the whole entire offense. I think he's really embraced a leadership role, and I think he even spoke about that in the summer going into the season. Right, he wanted to have more fun, kind of be that guy for the rest of the team to kind of lean on when we need to make a play. And, and things of that nature, and I think he's really embraced that, and he's, he's kind of seen the intangibles uh, take another step in his career as he's progressed. Statistically, though, he is pretty much the same guy. I mean, his yards per attempt, his completion percentage, the, I mean, everything across the board is very, very similar uh, year over year. So you, you kind of know we're going to get statistically out of Nate, 
but he's really done a good job of embracing that leadership and the, the kind of off-the-field uh, quarterback leader type of mentality role that he that a quarterback would need to have. Sure, that's interesting because it seems like um, the offense has kind of been predicated on his arm. You know, I was looking through some stats and I, I didn't literally see a ton in the run game and everything that's going on with the Hawkeyes. What's kind of been the, the plan of attack in, in, the, in the rushing game? Because I was usually really good in that category, but it seems like it's maybe fallen off a little year and you guys have had to rely a little bit more on Nate Stanley's arm. Is that the case? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's honestly, it's been a committee approach in the backfield. Uh, you got Makai Sargent, uh, Tyler Goodson's kind of come on as a freshman, um, and then just a few other guys kind of stepping up as they need to. And um, that's, I, I, I personally feel like having four different running backs getting touches is kind of hard to kind of get into a rhythm and getting to consistent having one guy like a Jonathan Taylor like Wisconsin has. Um, but I still think that, you know, overall success, uh, there's overall success from the pole position group overall. Uh, there's a there's a weird stat out there that I was like something like 44 and something when I rushed over for 100 yards and like 4 and 15 when I haven't rushed over for 100 yards in the last, I don't remember how the time frame of those stats, but it just goes to show you like, you got to get to that 100-yard marker for Iowa to have a chance at winning these games, and so they, they still have a commitment to it, um, but definitely with, with Nate Stanley being a senior, they definitely aren't afraid to rely on his arm and, and his decision-making to, to win games if necessary. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you want to lean on your strength. You know, the Badgers lean on Taylor you know, because he's a strength, and obviously Stanley seems like the strength of, of that offense for Iowa, so why, why not use it while you've got it, right? Um, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, obviously everybody, you know, like I said was earlier, Wisconsin fans are pretty familiar with Nate Stanley given his, you know, his career at Iowa, uh, and, they, and Badger fans might know A.J. Vanessa uh, as well, uh, but the rest of this Iowa team lost a lot of I don't want to say they lost a lot of star power because I'm sure you guys uh, see certain players as star, but as an outsider perspective, you know, Wisconsin fans may not know the guys like they knew last year with Hawkinson and Fant and, and Hooker and those guys. So who's maybe a, a player or a name that Badger fans should be aware of that, that could make an impact or, or could be, you know, someone that steps up on Saturday? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the big one I kind of refer to is Tyler Goodson. He's a freshman come, uh, coming up from, I want to say, Georgia. Um, he's really taken on his role running back. Just his touches have increased week over week. Uh, really fast, really talented. Started to embrace blocking kind of in the passing game, so he's gotten a little bit more playing time. Um, but then, like I just said, kind of that, that, hooker, that hooker side kind of leaving. You got Geno Stone in the secondary, Michael Ojemudier, or, um as a corner. Uh, I mean, the defense is still top five, top ten in the country. So, they're, I mean, they haven't missed a beat with those guys leaving. And then with Fanton Hawkinson leaving, um, Brandon Smith, who's going to be injured and not playing this week, but Amir Smith-Marset has really stepped up this year. He looks very fluid as a route runner, making big plays, looks really confident when he's getting in and out of his routes. So those are the guys Wisconsin fans should be looking out for, and those are guys definitely that, that need to step up if Iowa uh, wants to win this week. Yeah, and that's interesting that you mentioned those names on the defensive side of the ball because coming into Wisconsin, you know, the last game they played, obviously the focus was on Chase Young, but it seems like with this Iowa team, it's kind of been uh, the defensive success has been sort of a group effort where obviously you've got the dominating players on the ends uh, that have obviously taken the center stage, but overall it seems like that group is just solid at every position. Do you think that's kind of the case uh, for this Iowa defense? Yeah, I mean, this, this Iowa defense um, has been, I think, statistically one of the best, if not the best, since Kirk Ferentz has been in Iowa City, um, and it's been total, a total group effort. Um, there's been a ton of injuries across the defense, different guys stepping up. Phil Parker has put guys into prime positions to succeed and, and, and changing his scheme up, mixing in, you know, the, the traditional Iowa 4-3 with... They have to call it cash, your normal nickel with an, with an extra defensive back in there and taking the linebacker out when uh, teams are in 11 personnel. But, yeah, I mean, the defense has been unbelievable in terms of points allowed, rushing yards allowed, rushing touchdowns allowed. They're right right, they're right there, and what they do best is, is stopping the run, so it's going to be really, really interesting to see this week. Yeah, yeah, that'll be, that'll be a good one to note. And, yeah, like you said, I think that speaks to, obviously, um, some talented players and some talented depth, but of course, always the coaching staff that they're able to get get production from guys uh, despite injuries and stuff like that. Uh, just going off of this team as a whole, I mean, um, I, I know there's been some struggles uh, offensively, but and uh, you know, obviously a ton of success defensively. What do you think is just the main strength and weakness of this Iowa football team in 2019? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the defense. The defense is what's going to give Iowa a chance to win week in and week out. The offense. 
you know, going into Big Ten play has taken a significant step back in terms of yardage, in terms of scoring, and just across the board, the offense has, has really slowed down as it entered conference play, but the defense hasn't missed a beat. Arguably, it's gotten better and better. Um, you know, another shot against Northwestern last week. Um, and, and then it's that in special teams. Michael Sleep Dalton, I, I, it's, it's cliche with Iowa, but punting is winning, man. He, uh, <laughs> he's been a really, he's a great transfer from Arizona State, and he's been awesome. Um, and then uh, Keith Duncan's come in from, he's, you know, a backup kicker. He lost his job as a starting kicker, which is a backup, came back in, and now he's got more field goals and extra points right now. Um, he's been really, really reliable as the kicker position. So if it comes down to field goals, extra points, and, and field position, Iowa special teams will will certainly keep uh, keep Iowa right in it. And that's that's good to note for sure because obviously Wisconsin has kind of struggled in that aspect, especially in uh, the punting game hasn't been the you know bad, but it hasn't been great. And of course the kicking game has has had some really big struggles so far this season. So that certainly seems like an advantage uh, for the Iowa Hawkeyes in this game. But I guess going off of that, you know, obviously Iowa has an advantage there for sure. And defensives, they're both really talented. But what aspect of Wisconsin worries you most as an Iowa insider uh, and fan? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the running game. Uh, my co-host and I talk about, you know, before this season, you know, Jonathan Taylor, he's been kind of just our envy from Iowa City. We're all in Chicago, so from just straight down south, south in Chicago. Um, he's, he, I mean, truly, truly scares us week in and week out. He's been unbelievable keeps us keeps us up at night you know we turn on Wisconsin just to watch Jonathan Taylor so I mean it's that I mean he's him and that offensive line uh, is just they're always year in and year out kind of reliable you can set your clock to them and and know you know that they can try to stop them but they're going to find a way to uh to break free and break off a big run yeah and I think for Wisconsin's sake they're certainly going to have to do that because you know they've they they haven't ran the ball as well these last three weeks and and now you're going against another solid front in that uh, Iowa defense. So it'll be interesting to see how that matchup plays out, especially in the trenches. I mean th- this game is always one that is just fascinating to watch um, from the offensive and defensive line perspective. I think. Absolutely, yeah. I joked about it on Twitter today. I said uh, put your we put set the over under at times the TV crew says uh, how these teams like to play this game in a phone booth. Uh, <laughs> I said it at eight and a half. So uh, get your uh, get your picks in on the over under and how many times they uh, say that. But yeah, this this is really a fun game to watch if you love line play and, and the trenches and that type of stuff. Oh yeah, I mean I'm sure they'll I'm sure they'll th- throw up the the graphic of the uh, Iowa defensive line height and weight and the I- versus the Iowa or the Wisconsin offensive line height and weight. That's one that they always love to hit on as well. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like you said, this game is is it's kind of a rare thing in in football in college football now that where you don't see a lot of these smash mouth versus smash smash mouth. Uh, matchups you used to see it more in the SEC, but you don't really see it as much. So the Big Ten is kind of that conference uh, that, that does it better than anyone, and these two teams are really are some of the best at it. But looking at, I was I was rewatching last year's game, and I kind of forgot about the turnovers uh, for Iowa last year. Obviously, there was the Nate Stanley interception, and then of course uh, the two special teams turnovers. And I mean, you noted the the special team seems like it's gotten cleaned up this year. And obviously, one was just a forced fumble. Uh, but how big of a time of possession and turnovers, how big will that be uh, in this game on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, turnover, turnovers are huge. I think going back to, to the special teams force fumble, don't really have to worry about that. I don't know the exact numbers, but Iowa doesn't return punts. I mean, it's just fair catch after fair catch, usually letting them letting those balls fall um, and get and get down. So that way I'm not super concerned about, about turning the ball over on special teams. But they're still huge. Uh, Nate Stanley versus... Uh, Penn State and Michigan threw four with five interceptions this year um, in those two games. Two, uh, two of the three fumbles lost this year by the running backs or just by the offense overall came in those losses as well. So, I mean, Iowa, when they turn the ball over, they, they just they put themselves in a hard position to, to come back and win. Um, so if, if Wisconsin is forced to turn over, it's going to be hard for Iowa to kind of come back and, and win this game. Yeah, yeah, and you look at Wisconsin's defense, they've done a good job of, of turning you know, the ball over, but the last two games offensively, uh, the Badgers have turned the ball over five times in those in these last two losses. So you think about a game like this where there's going to be limited possessions given how you know how much both teams want to control the tempo in the football. I mean, anytime you can get extra chances uh, for either team, whoever wins that turnover margin probably has a, a significant leg up uh, on who comes out on top. So, um, Absolutely. 
What do you think um, about this game? Does this feel essentially like an elimination game in the Big Ten West uh, from an Iowa fan perspective, given that both of us are coming into this week uh, two games behind uh, Minnesota in the West? Absolutely. I mean, it's 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 essentially a Big Ten West uh, semifinal game at this point. Uh, I personally, if if you listen to Spoker Radio on a Blackheart Gold Pants feed, um, I am not a, a huge believer in Minnesota this year uh, based on who they've played, but. Um, I do think that they will. They have their chance to prove it this week versus Penn State as well. But I do think the winner of this game probably ends up winning the winning the West and representing the uh, West in Indianapolis this year. So this game definitely has a lot lot of importance for the rest of the season. Yeah, I would totally agree. I think it's going to come down to this one, and uh, obviously it'll be a, a crucial matchup for the season. See how this whole thing plays out and gets to Indianapolis to get the pleasure of playing Ohio State, which is always always fun for us Wisconsin fans. I mean, you guys had some good success with them over these last couple of years, but we have we have really struggled with the Buckeyes uh, for it seems like forever. So yeah, they're they're a different level this year though. So <laughs> they really know, are. Yeah, I don't know who it matters who comes out of the West to be to be frank. Right, right. I would totally agree. So um, my last question, and we ask this to, to everyone who comes on the podcast, uh, Iowa wins this game if blank, and I'll have you fill in the blank. For sure, yeah. I think Iowa wins this game if uh, the defense continues to kind of follow the trend from the previous three weeks and, and holding Wisconsin's running game in check. Uh, Phil Parker embracing more of that nickel, that cash defense, uh, making putting Geno Stone in a chance to uh, fill the hole and, and, and you know get one on one and win those one on one battles against Jonathan Taylor, um, and then Nathaniel connected on a couple big big passes to either Amir Smith Marset or Nico Regani in, in the passing game to, to kind, of, kind of get some points on the board. Those are really the way I think Iowa has to what Iowa has to do to win this game this week. Well, there you have it, folks. You heard a. Uh... Iowa perspective on what they need to do, and of course we we talked about what Wisconsin will need to do earlier in the show. Uh, sounds like two great defenses getting ready to battle it out. So I, I I don't know if you're a betting man, but are you thinking under 38 because that total is pretty low. <laughs> that total is very low. I just spent the weekend in Atlantic City uh, watching that that wonderful slate of games on Saturday, and gambling was how we got through it. Um, <laughs> I that's 38 is really low, but it, I don't know if it's going to be that low. For yeah, I know it's. I, I think back to that uh, game back in Madison, I think 2015, when Joel Stave uh, fumbled it at the goal line, and it was what I think nine to six or, or twelve to nine, something like that. So that's that's kind of what I envisioned for this week, but we'll see. I still think 38 is is pretty low. <laughs> yeah, but it's we'll see. tough to get there. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Dave, thanks again for joining the show. Um, I'll go ahead and give us our, our quick outro here, and then uh, we'll cut you loose. So. Uh, guys, that wraps up another episode of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. Uh, make sure to check out uh, Dave Cray and the crew over at Blackheart Gold Pants if you guys are looking for uh, some more insider perspective on this football game. Obviously, it'd be a huge Big Ten matchup. Um, so make sure uh, to check those guys out. They do a great job at that site. Uh, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. And we'll be back with you guys for a recap show next Tuesday. Thank you for listening on Wisconsin. Thank you.